this would not have happened a year ago. Good morning. It is so great to see you all here today. We are so proud of our partnership with Dylan Gabriel and with UCF Athletics and with the College of Business. We're a proud partner. You can see us at the student gate at any football game, so please come visit us. Um, we are incredibly honored to sponsor t this morning's event and to get to hear from Dylan and from Stephen as well all about the NIL partnerships. This is such a huge front, you know, brand new frontier, I would say, in the world of sports business and something that we all really need to be paying attention to, you know. So it is very exciting to see these partnerships really come alive and we are so grateful for our partnerships here today. Will this newfound right to publicity change college athletics forever? This year was all about separating hype from fundamental change. I'm Paul Jarley, Dean of the College of Business here at UCF. I've got lots of questions. To get answers, I'm talking to people with interesting insights into the future of business. Have you ever wondered, is this really a thing? On to our show. Name, image, and likeness is a legal concept that allows any person, including student-athletes, the right to publicity, the ability to capitalize on anything that identifies them, including the ability to engage in third-party sponsorships and endorsements. Some people think this will change college athletics as we know it. Others aren't so sure. They think the marketplace will adjust and that the benefits will accrue to a very few. To help sort through this, I've assembled three guests. Terry Mahajer is UCS Athletic Director. Brittany Duzan is the Associate AD for Compliance. And Scott Buckstein is an Associate Instructor in our DeVos Sports Business Management Program. Listen in. As I understand NIL, this is being dealt with on a state-by-state -state basis. So what does Florida allow student athletes to do now that they couldn't do before? Brittany, I'm going to throw that to you. Sure. So um, like most states, the, the state of Florida is one of the few that um, actually has a, a legislated piece for name, image, and likeness. So essentially what they now have is the right to utilize their name, image, and likeness um, for commercial purposes. So whether that be for money or not for money. Um, that they weren't allowed to do previously by NCAA legislation. So basically, they have the right to publicity now. They can print their faces on T-shirts. They can show. They can they get appearance fees. I'm trying to understand exactly. Yeah, what we're they talking. can get appearance fees. Um, it kind of it aligned us now with what students on campus can do. So think outside of just those big endorsement deals. Our student athletes can now do philanthropy work and actually use their their platform as a student athlete for that. For their um, own foundation, can, you mean? Yeah, they can create right. a foundation. They and Previously, they couldn't go out on their own and, and utilize their name, image, and likeness for a business. So if my student athletes wants to go to the entrepreneurship office here on campus and mm -hmm. want to start a business and mm -hmm. use their name, Brit Brittany Duzan's makeup brand. They weren't allowed yep. to do that previously. They can do private lessons and actually use their name, image, and likeness for that. Um, like you said, speaking engagements, autograph sessions, um, and then the stuff you're seeing in the media, like these endorsement deals. And they could provide private lessons to like high school athletes. Harry? The only thing, the only thing that the, they can't do is what we, we can't do is we can't create the deal for them. So we cannot be involved in the deal. They have to create it themselves. People can ask us, Hey, I want to talk to so-and-so, we can put them in contact, but that's it. Okay. You can do that. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and what was odd was before, like with the private lessons, they've been allowed to do that forever with the NCAA, but the NCAA used to say, if I was the star, you know, if I was the star tennis player, I couldn't say, 
me, Brittany Duzan, the number one for our tennis program is giving private lessons. I would literally have to say, would you like to do lessons with me? And couldn't give my credentials because that would be using your name, image, and likeness, which makes no sense because when you're giving lessons, you're going to want to give your credentials. You just couldn't have a formal camp with your, you could, but Got you could it. private. You couldn't advertise it. Okay. But now you could do a formal camp, Terry. Is that true? Mm-hmm. You could. Okay. You could have the Dylan Gabriel quarterback camp. Well, in the past, he could be a, he could do private lessons, but not. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Scott, are there any good sources of data on NIL activities at the national level? Do we know what they're doing? The data within this space, Influencer is one of the primary NIL marketplaces from July 1st through October 31st. The first four months in which NIL activities have been allowed, social media content has represented 59% of all transactions within the NIL space on that one platform. If we look at another primary marketplace, Paul, Open Doors, posting social digital content represents right around 28% of total NIL compensation on the open doors deals marketplace. So right now, social media, where college athletes are essentially functioning as brand ambassadors, they're making posts, endorsing a company. Right now, that's the primary activity area and also the primary revenue area. Now, there's a bunch of other NIO activation and monetization areas. For example, some student athletes are making personal appearances at places like restaurants, car dealerships, community events. Some student athletes are signing autographs. Could be on physical or now on digital trading cards, digital collectibles, NFTs. Some college athletes, they're playing video games with fans through platforms such as Yoke Gaming. Student athletes will get paid to spend 20 to 30 minutes playing in a specific video game with fans. College athletes can generate revenue by providing shout outs to fans on platforms like Cameo, or they can engage in sending text messages to fans on platforms like Subtext. Some college athletes have been selling apparel, other branded items through platforms like Power Forward, the Players Trump. So there's a neat possibility that we're seeing emerge for group licensing collaborations within this space with university athletic programs so that college athletes, they're able to sell merchandise and memorabilia that have trademark protected university athletics program logos and colors. So Scott, do you have any sense of what the total value of this market is? Like even for just the influencer stuff, do you have a number? It's difficult to capture. The main reason is, and we've seen this within the past couple of weeks, not all of these deals are being disclosed. Is reporting that's been made voluntarily by some athletic programs and then by these marketplaces. So for example, Open Doors, which is one of the primary marketplaces for the first four months of NA activities from July through October. If we look at total compensation for division one, 82.9% of all NIL-related compensation through the Open Doors Deals Marketplace involve college athletes on men's college sport teams, and the average compensation per deal was $686. Those numbers aren't eye-popping to me, particularly on a per-athlete basis, right? I mean, they're pretty small potatoes. Yes. I, I would assume that the best opportunities here are probably for superstars in either football or basketball in the revenue sports. Fair enough. For sure. All right. So you went to kind of what's my next question. I assume like the star quarterback is in a pretty good position to maybe take advantage of this, but do you have any sense what percentage of your student athletes are probably involved in something related to this? I mean, are you even allowed to know? (laughs) Well, yeah, she knows. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, uh, I was gonna let Terry take it because he does have a good grasp on it. But uh, yes, so the state law does require um, student athletes to disclose their NIL activities. They don't give a timeline for disclosure, um, but our student athletes do a pretty good job about disclosing what they're doing. You'd be surprised. It's a wide breadth of student athletes from the starting quarterback to bench warmers. Um, it, we have some students who have a really big following on like TikTok are really good yeah. on Instagram. Um, and that's where you're seeing a lot of things happening right now. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say it's a huge percentage of our student athletes that are utilizing it, um, but it's not just the star quarterback. Yeah, I, I would tell you, Paul, that uh, our female athletes probably have the most upside, especially the ones that have a very robust social media following. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just it just they just uh, they play better, I think, uh, as far as for advertisers. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and so I think I, I think if you start looking around the country, you'll see more uh, more. You might see bigger numbers with maybe a star quarterback or star basketball player, but you'll probably see more of your uh, student athletes that are females. Terry, do you think this is going to impact recruiting at all and how colleges recruit? Absolutely. Give me a sense of what you think is going to happen. I thought you'd have to. I mean, we've talked before, right? I, I thought you'd be going out and hiring social media experts and some brand experts to help the students um, develop this. And quite well, frankly, have, what you have, don't want, right, is UCF student athlete fill in the blank on the headline for something that happened in L- and IL related that you had no control over. I mean, that's what yeah. would freak me out. Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest concern I have is predatorial uh, people. Yeah. Uh, that are that are promising, you know, the world in the sky, and they're they're not able to deliver. The other thing is, is what I what I'm finding out is you have people that want to help and want to use certain student athletes' name, image, likeness, and then they have handlers that get involved that try to get way over market price. That's a little bit of a challenge too. So, um, you know, I think this is going to correct itself uh, eventually. Uh, from my understanding, uh, I think uh, I think it, going back to your question about recruiting, I think it's really a, a strong recruiting tool. Um, you know, as far as when when someone says, "Hey, I'm going to go to this school because there's a lot more NIL opportunities," I think when you are in a metropolitan area like we are in a top 20 DMA, as opposed to a traditional college town, that maybe the only thing in that college town is the school that doesn't have a lot of industry, it's a little bit more challenging. And I also think just to be very candid, which I'm a very candid person is there's also a lot more opportunities to not uh, use the rule why it's intended for It's more to pay players. Right, right. So boosters are going to oversell boosters. There's really no market value. If you're, if you are in a small SEC town, uh, and I'm using that. She loves that when I use. And 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 your and your. Let's pick on Tuscaloosa. Can we? Well, do that? No. <laughs> uh, uh, let's call let's call it uh, let's call it Rich Point State. Whatever. <laughs> Rich, Rich Point State. And you're a small little town. And uh, you know you have boosters that are paying for in name, image, and likeness that live in two states over. Yeah. You know that yeah. their industries in two states over. Yeah. And so and also can work against you. You know, if you want to, if you, if you have a star quarterback, well, I'll just use an example, star quarterback at, uh, if you have a T company that s- spends money on name, image, likeness, 
and you pay a star quarterback at one school and you're not doing another school, it may hurt you in your advertising. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I use the car dealers. If, you know, if you are promoting a quarterback at one school and you have a very competitive uh, collegiate region and you say, look, he's sponsoring that quarterback. <clears throat> why would I buy from him? That's not my school. So I think you have to be very careful from an advertiser as well, because people are, people are generally very parochial in how they spend their money mm-hmm. and, and they want to support people that they support their interest, if that yeah. makes sense. So. And I feel like with recruiting too, like just being part of the recruiting process sometimes, yeah, is you're seeing a shift of the questions they're asking are like, how is how are you going to market me as a school? Like, so you're looking at the school's marketability, you're looking at the town's marketability. And then it's also, I think, going to tie a little bit into, all right, well, you know, we already have these student athletes or these kids that want to play their freshman year. I think they're going to say, well, you know, it's going to be a more candid conversation because the starters are the ones potentially getting better deals. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of seeing those conversations start to st- kind of start in some of these sports with, all right, well, how are you going to market me? Which that conversation wasn't happening a year ago. The other so the thing boot, too is you could also you could also see some of the student athletes that might have <clears throat> more of a realistic chance to play in at the next level mm-hmm. that really don't want to mess with it either. Yep. They just say, you know, I don't want to mess with. It. I want to focus on my trade. Yeah. I want to play in the NFL, NBA, whatever it is. And I just don't. I don't really need any distractions. Mm-hmm. And you can also see certain student athletes being distracted from it as well. So I think it'll correct itself. Just like all the all the stuff, and and uh, I I really love the rule. Uh, having been a former student athlete coach, I love the rule of the opportunity because it's intended to help the women's soccer player write a children's book or help a young man, you know, have a passing camp or a shooting camp or something like that. It, it, it just like regular students, but it's not intended for college X to get booster Y to pay a player. $50,000 for normal, no market value. And I hope this is being recorded because you can take that to the bank. Yeah, no, you know, I think that's not, that's not the intention of what, why we're doing this. Sure. Of course. Help people out. So, so, uh, you know, what flashed through my mind, I have to admit when Brittany was talking is the frightening scenario of NIL being available when Johnny Manziel was playing at Texas A&M, but we won't actually put that in the podcast. Um, but you, you know, that's okay. <laughs> Right. I mean, he's sort of the poster child, right? In no, a way. He was signing autographs for money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, you know, which is actually, I don't have a problem with that. If someone wants to pay him money for that. That's fine. Now remember yeah. Terry A&M had it on their website. I know like they're selling it on their own website, but I'm also worried about agents here. Yeah. I'm worried about agents approaching student athletes and saying, well, we'll handle this, your image and likeness stuff for you now. Right. And this is a way for them to get in kind of the back door. Well, so are why, there guardrails on that? Well, that's what I, that's what my concern is. I was talking about the, the handbooks. Yeah. And now there's legit agents that have some some, um, you know, legitimate opportunities to help a young person get to the next level in their in their professional sport. But then 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 you have handlers that may not have the experience. You have uncles, aunts, mm-hmm. cousins, brothers that want to get involved that really don't have the expertise. So we do have a forum, a couple of forums that allows them to go on and get the professional help that they need. Uh, there's a couple of companies out there. The one that uh, is actually was started by UMKC, uh, UCF uh, grads 
is one company is called Icon Source. And they basically, it's basically after you register through the uh, compliance portal, you can go on there and they can negotiate all your contracts. Uh, they, they handle all your name, image, likeness. They, they basically, it's a resting place for your name, image, and likeness that advertisers can go on there. It's very clean. We also have services on campus that our student athletes can take advantage of, the legal services on campus that they can use. And I think they have. Brittany, I think you've, you know. Yeah, we funnel a lot of student athletes over, uh, which has been helpful because we can't help them obviously work through contracts. But to Terry's point, the most we can do right now is educate them on Mm -hmm. what to use and what to do. Because you are seeing some shifts where you've got agents who've worked in that professional realm who are saying, well, we'll come do NIL with you. And so just educating them on like, all right, well, that's not what their normal you know, course of dealings is they're not used to dealing with those kind of contracts. So are you sure you want to work with that agent? So making sure they're, you know, before they sign anything that they're going over to legal services and doing that. Um, and what Terry's talking about are these third-party marketplaces and yeah. there's a ton out there and, and Terry did a great job of vetting some of them. Um, but kind of giving our student athletes the opportunity to say, look, you don't need an agent to go out and find deals. Here's a platform you can go on where you can meet people that want you to do an endorsement deal with them or want you to do a social media post with them and you can work with them and the contract's done there and vetted instead of you going out and hiring someone that you don't know. Um, And then all agents have to register through our office. um, So they have to be licensed with the state of Florida. Um, If they're, you know, a professional, if they work with like the NFL, they have to be NFLPA certified. Um, If they are an attorney, they actually have to be in good standing with the bar. So we do that kind of vetting and give our student athletes a bit of information before they go out and do things and um, just to kind of help as much as we can. Scott has a bit of a different take on NIL and agents. From an agent perspective, I actually think that name image likeness is going to be helpful for student athletes. Currently, we have an amalgamation of state laws that have been completely ineffective at regulating agents. The NCAA has tried to regulate agents. So now from a student athlete perspective, you have some time to learn more about various agencies instead of picking the agency that agrees to charge the lowest percentage for commission on your rookie deal. Instead of picking the agency that your basketball or your softball coach recommends. And all of a sudden, NIL provides college athletes with an opportunity to learn more about these agencies be more informed. But most certainly, you're going to have situations where an agent might offer to represent a college athlete for NIL marketing purposes. That agent would advance a large sum of money against which the player's future marketing earnings would be credited. Because historically, and this is unfortunate, but a reality, some agents have provided marketing guarantees as part of a broader effort to sign players for contract negotiation purposes. So is NIL going to be the end of this or do you think more legislation is coming to allow more kinds of activities put your look into your crystal ball what do you think go ahead Brittany I'll I'll give you my honest (laughs) opinion um I mean honestly I I think any opinion I'd give right now would be stupid because 10 years ago I would never have said that name and likeness would (laughs) I mean that's fair (laughs) Yeah. So um, do I think things will change? Yes. I think it'll just continue to evolve as we move along. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold what I think is going to happen. I'll let, I'll let Terry, so, Terry answer. So here's my thought. And I've been doing this for a long time now. I've been an AD for almost a decade and I've seen it evolve. And everybody was freaked out when we went to cost of attendance, we were allowed to pay up to the cost of attendance. It was, I was very, uh, much in favor of it. And, you know, it didn't change the world all, all that much. Mm-hmm. It's just 
create a more, uh, uh, just came, became a budget issue for the schools that wanted to pay it. Um, however, in this day and age, what, 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 have, what do we have allowed to happen as a practitioner and people in my industry? We have allowed the media to hijack the narrative of, of who our student athletes are. We, I'm very passionate about. We tend to let people think that they're employees. And so that's the big, uh, uh, big topic right now on Capitol Hill is that our student athletes employees, they're not employees. When you talk to our student athletes today and ask them if they wanna be employees, they do not wanna be employees. They do not wanna pay taxes. They do not wanna be fired. They don't want all kinds of stuff. They don't wanna to have to get workman's comp. They don't wanna be, mm-hmm. they don't wanna to have to get taxed on their, their housing, their apparel and all that stuff. So now if they become employees, they get taxed on all that, their food, their, their shoes that we give them, the, the medical care, the, the pharmaceutical, uh, the pharmacy uh, opportunities they have. So that's the biggest challenge. We are in a kind of a crossroads right now. I think the NCA needs to talk to more practitioners about change the narrative. Uh, and I'm, I'm very concerned that we have not allowed, we have not done enough to really speak to the fact that it's about education and a degree and career services, period. <laughs> That's what it is. Sport, intercollegiate athletics is a conduit to an education and a degree in a career, period. If you happen to play in the 1% that happens to play professional sports, wonderful. The 1%. But we have allowed, we think there's a lot of value. There's not a lot of value in some of our sports. We, there, there's more cost. So yeah. they don't make money. They don't generate revenue. Right now, the only sport that pays, the, the sport that pays the bills on this campus is football. Yeah. And That's true on most campuses, Terry. Most right? campuses. You know, yeah. some, I worked at a school where basketball paid a lot of bills. University. Okay. And so there was, it, was a, it was an elite basketball program. And mm-hmm. so, but I think, I think that's the key. I, I, I am concerned of this talk about, uh, about employees versus non-employees, uh, because when you get Capitol Hill involved and you get people that are trying to, um, you know, trying to have political favor because it's the, they think it's a very trendy thing to do. They're not talking to the practitioners, including the students. Mm-hmm. So it's 10 years from now. Will, ha- will NIL have changed college sports in a fundamental way, or is it just going to be a benefit for a few star athletes? Scott, what's your take? A pure financial perspective, I do think in our rights, they're going to continue to assist many college athletes with professional career prospects and for- sports such as football and basketball. In the long run, I think college athletes that benefit might end up being the ones who need the money the least. So what do I think we're going to see within NIL? So we have this 10-year big picture vision. Within the next year or two, we're definitely going to see more structure. I think we'll see more formal classes within colleges of business, similar to a new credit hour. I think it's a two credit hour class at BYU that is a shark tank type component. We'll see more workshops led by compliance staff. I also think we'll see more strategy. So it's just like esports and sports betting where companies at first just rush into the space. I think companies now they're just jumping into the NIL space without any true strategy or end goals, defined objectives. I also think we'll see some type of consolidation within the space and emergence of several key leaders. Terry, what do you think? I think it'll be a benefit for a lot of athletes because it gives it gives athletes an opportunity to 
really do what it's intended. You're going to have some people, you're going to hear horror stories. You're going to hear, you're going to, or we're already starting to hear about the starting quarterback at these elite programs that, are, that came in as starters. Now they're not starting. So they're getting their advertising dollars taken away from them. Mm. Yeah. So I think you are, you, because they're not playing anymore. So I think you're going to start seeing advertisers be a little more cautious about putting their investments into 18 year old. So, uh, I think that, so I think that's going to be happen, but I do think it's going it's, to, it's what it's intended to be. I talked to Chip Lamarca. He's the one that sponsored the bill in the state. And I, I had a really good candid conversation with him. It is intended to, for young people to generate some extra money, to start a clothing company like D- Dylan Grable did, mm-hmm. to, to write a children's book, to be an equity actor. To, these are, our student athletes are in great shape to go be actors or be, be able to take photos for advertising, you know, like for a fitness magazine or all that. Kind of, I think that's going to be uh, what it's, what we're going to, what's going to evolve. And I think that's great. I think it's fantastic to allow. What do you them. think, Brittany? I agree completely. I think the media is focusing on the, the recruiting aspect and the big stars and these yeah. giant deals, but the things that they're not focusing on, which I think we'll start to are, you know, I, I have some student athletes that I'm not going to out right now because they're going to have things coming out, but that are doing philanthropy work and are doing these things that two and three years ago, like they could do to an extent, but now they can have total ownership of it. Of it and they're going to be able to take that. They're not going to be going to the NFL or the major leagues. And they're going to be able to show that on their resume when they go apply for a job. This is something that I did while I was in college. And I think that's going to continue. I think it's going to grow because the more that we get into NIL and the more we understand where our student athletes land, because we have no data to look at, right? Like, I don't know how many student athletes want to start their own clothing company, how many student athletes want to be a social media influencer. So I think the next few years, as you see us kind of to get some historical data, we can start helping our student athletes. And I just think you're going to see those areas grow as much as you're going to see the endorsement side grow. Well, and I mean, athletes are in a unique situation here to use their likenesses. But let's not forget, I have a lot of students on campus in the College of Business who start foundations and businesses while they're in college. And frankly, we encourage that as much as possible, right? So yeah. um, I think it's really a good point. It's easy well, to forget they're student athletes, right? Yeah. yeah. And and I I always, you know, I I always hesitated. I I say student athletes, but I'm I'm very cautious about saying student athletes. I used to say our students most of the time. Mm. The population that Brittany and I serve, they're students. They happen to be very talented in one area. Yeah. They just are. I mean, I'm recruiting students not to be athletes. I'm recruiting to your college. Yep. And other colleges. Well, that's what we do. We're recruiting to other colleges to, so they can get an education and degree and get and get a career. Period. That's it. We 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 have lost our way in that 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 narrative. We have lost our way as practitioners. It's my podcast, so I get to go last. A lot of my students want to be social media celebrities and to monetize their brand in some way. It's incredibly hard to do. Sports give student athletes a little bit of a leg up in trying to establish celebrity status, but it's still really hard. Being a good student athlete doesn't guarantee that people are going to find you interesting and worthy of their attention off the field. NIL is in its infancy. New things always draw attention, but the early returns suggest it's not going to be a big money maker for many student athletes. As this becomes more apparent, NIL's ability 
to fundamentally change the college athletics landscape will fade. That said, there are some potential risks for students, athletes or not, in marketing their name, image, and likeness. The potential for shenanigans by agents is especially troubling. And a course on this, offered by our marketing department, could be, well, a very good thing. So what's your take? Check us out online and share your thoughts at business.ucf.edu slash podcast. You can also find extended interviews with our guests and notes from the show. Special thanks to my new producer, Leslie Cruz. And the whole team at the Office of Outreach and Engagement here at the UCF College of Business. And thank you for listening. Until next time, charge on. Internet killer, the video star.